Here we go. I want to welcome you again. Tonight, one of the things that I've been longing to do here at Book is every once in a while introduce not only our, our online community, but our, our community here, brothers and sisters that are here, to those that, that are within, within the fellowship here, within this portion of the body. Uh, most of the time on a Sunday, on a Sunday morning, you know, we're, we're, we're like ships passing in the night. We, we say hi, we shake hands, and it's, uh, unless you purposely, unless you intentionally get together to go, to go break some bread somewhere, you know, go have some barbecue, go have lunch somewhere, meet at somebody's house, we don't get to know each other. And yet this is something that the scripture has called us to, this, this koinonia, this fellowship of, of knowing each other. Uh, listen, guys, we have forever to spend with each other. And we really, really need to know what God is doing within the body. You need to know what we're, what we're doing. We need to know what you're doing. We need to know the ups and downs, the sideways, because we can pray for you, because we can come alongside, we can laugh with you, we can rejoice with you, we can cry with you. Trust me, we can do all those things. And within this family, no one, no one should ever feel alone. No one should ever feel isolated. Let me read an article to you this morning. It deals, it deals mainly with men, but it holds true to all of us. This is uh, from Pastor Burke Parsons. He entitled it A Generation of Heroes. He says, Satan watches for those vessels that sail without convoy. If you've been in the military, some of the terms that, that you'll hear, your ears will perk. He says, every individual knows that he was created for community. Isolation is the devil's playground. And our enemy is on the lookout for the Christian who thinks he can stand alone in independent isolation from the fellowship, the accountability, and the encouragement of faithful brothers and sisters. Before the fall, even though the Lord walked in close communion with Adam in the garden, our gracious and triune God knew that it was not good for man to be alone. Genesis 2.18. And so God created someone who would meet Adam's needs and relate to Adam in a way that by design God himself did not. In his often overlooked grace, God blessed mankind with the most beautiful, intimate, and joyous relationship that exists between mere human beings. Holy wedlock between a man and a woman, who by design and covenant become one flesh. Nevertheless, even from that glorious union, he called them to multiply themselves into communities of families that would populate and dominate creation to share life and glorify God together. God gave each of us an insatiable hunger to experience life together. Life's joys and passions and life's sorrows and burdens. Men need men. Women need women. Younger men and women need to listen to and to learn from the wisdom and the experiences of older men and women. Older men and women need the passion and patience to sit down and tell their stories and lessons to the next generation. Women need authentic relationships with other women 
to form the enduring companionship of sisterhood and, and not only detests divisive gossip and grudges but defends, encourages, and bears the burdens of every woman so that no woman is left alone to fend for herself in serving the Lord in her many callings. Even though many men completely are completely content with the community and companionship of images, games, and voices on a screen, men desperately need camaraderie and fraternity of other men. Men are made to experience intimate and authentic, loyal and enduring friendships with other men. On the battlefield, in the foxhole, at the gates of the city, at the coffee shop, on the corner. And while no wise and truly humble man will ever consider himself a hero, each and every man of God, by his grace, is called to strive to conquer this world, his flesh and the devil, shoulder to shoulder with other men, who together serve one another in, company, in a company of heroes as husbands and dads who serve by leading their wives, families, churches, and communities into fellowship with God. Isn't that cool? There's so much truth there. What I would like to do this evening, and for those that are joining, in, joining us on the internet, as, as I ask these questions of those that come up, if you would like to answer some of those questions, uh, answer them and let, let the web pastor Mike know and we can print them up and we can share. So, without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to Susan Johnson. Would you give her a round of applause, please? Just because she's being so brave to come up here with me. Jose. I do have my water, yes. Right. You're ready, aren't you? As what I'll do in the next be. couple of seconds, okay. I'm going to uh, let you tell the brothers and sisters who Susan Johnson is. Okay. I'm Susie Johnson, and I'm married to Steve Johnson, and we have a wonderful daughter, Jackie, who's 18. Um, and uh, we started at coming to Book of Life about, um, oh, a little over a year ago. It was a year ago. Easter, we were invited by Mike O'Toole, and uh, we just felt the Lord leading us to come here, um, and so we came, and we've been here ever since. Um, I am a prayer counselor here. Um, I also love to work in all the events, like um, the Seder, uh, VBS, um, and what was the, oh, the carnival at Bessar Shalom. I love to work in events for some reason. I never knew that I liked that until I came here, and I love it. So that's kind of what I do here at church. Susie, Susie and, 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 and her hubby and, and Jackie, her daughter, are such an integral part of the body here. They, they, move, around, they move around like ants. You know, they're looking for, for places and things that need to get done, and they get in there and do them. We have, we have brothers and sisters here. I so love what I, what I see happening here at Book. So, are you ready? I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Yes. I, I told her I wasn't, I wasn't going to get too deep, you know, but this will give you a good idea of, of who Susie Johnson is. When, when service is over, go look for Mr. Johnson. 
and, and find out who he is. You'll love the guy. <laughs> so, here we go. When did, when did you first realize your need for Christ? Okay. Um, Not too deep, huh? No. <laughs> um, it was uh, about 15, 16 years ago. Um, um, I didn't get saved till I was 38, so I had plenty of time to really mess up my life and make really bad choices and uh, literally make a mess of my life. And um, I had just uh, ran away with my children from a very um, abusive uh, marriage um, that I was married for 13 years before. Um, and uh, so I, here I was living by myself with my two-year-old daughter and my 12-year-old son. And um, um, I found myself just by myself alone and just going, how did I ever get here? What did I... I just have totally, I came to the end of my life. I just went, I'm done. I mean, I've really messed everything up, and I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I was sitting by myself, and I turned on the radio in my apartment, and um, it was set on Family Life Radio, which I never listened to Christian radio. I would always pass by it, but it was on Family Life Radio. <laughs> And there was a man talking, and he was saying the same things that I had just said to myself, that do you feel that your life is done? Do you feel that you're, you know, you've ruined your life and you can never, I'm sorry, turn back, you know, that you're just finished. And he goes, well, you're not. You have a second chance. And then he started telling me about Jesus. And it was like he was talking to me, like I turned on the radio and it was just for me. And it was Charles Swindoll and his radio program, and that's how I got saved. So, and it was the most amazing day of my life. <laughs> Inside for Living, Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite. Oh, he's amazing. Yes, he's teachers. blessed. A man loves, loves God like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. As you, began to, as you began to uncover the Word, as you began to read your Bible, mm-hmm. did you find it difficult to accept? It is truth? No. Right? No. No. The minute I got saved, because of the tragedy that my life had been, because of the, it was just really bad. I'm not kidding you. It was chaotic. It was horrible. It was scary. It was messy. It was um, drinking and partying and just anything to try to cover up, you know, and hide. I just totally just believed everything that was Jesus. I didn't doubt it for one minute. And it took a long time for God to clean everything out and to change me, but I never gave up. I just kept pressing on and getting up and going forward and just pressing on. No, (laughs) no, I didn't doubt it for one second. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, what does the word transformation mean to you? You're looking at it. Yeah. <laughs> You're looking at it. If I could, if you could see me, you know, 15, 16 years ago, and you could see me now, and you could talk to that person then, and talk to me now, you would say that is a walking miracle right there. That is what God can do in a person's life. If you accept Jesus, that's what's going to happen to you. No, 
That's transformation. I'm the butterfly that you were talking about. That's me. No looking back. No, no, never. <laughs> that was easy, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, You're Susie. Welcome. Appreciate it. I really do. <sighs> Susie Johnson. Mr. Laprell, I want to introduce you to Nick Laprell. Remember, Brenda's watching. <laughs> Hello, Nick. everybody. Yeah, go ahead. Give us a little bit about Nick. Nick Laprell. Um, my wonderful wife, Brenda, is actually online right now. Hello. Um, got uh, two wonderful little boys, uh, Wesley and Jeremiah, and it's yeah. probably just about their bedtime if they're not uh, already in bed. If they're awake, then I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you do here at Book? Um, I do uh, some of the graphics uh, right up there. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, the marriage ministry and the men's ministry, um, just participating for the most part, helping out where I can. You do. Yeah. Nick? Nick is one of, those, one of those men that when I call, he answers, you know? If I, need a, if I need a hand with something, was that me or you? Okay. I can, uh, I can count. I can count on Nick. That's a treasure. I have to be able to be the same with Nick. That if he calls me, I respond. Part of the men's ministry that we have started here now at Book of Life, that's what we're building in men. And that's what we want to build in men. That we can, we can, it's more than just hanging out and having a hamburger. You know, it's more than just hanging out and having, having you know, something, something to drink, some coffee, a soft drink. It's more than just hanging out and watching a DVD on how to be a man, you know. It's going through the scriptures, realizing what God has called us to be, to be men, men of the word, men of God, men who love Jesus and are not afraid to say so, men that will be in the foxhole with you, men that you can count on. This is what we're building here. Do you remember... What brought you to Christ? I, I do. Um, Without getting too deep, you know, just <laughs> swing over to that. What you were thinking just before you stepped across that line? It, it, it was. It was interesting. It was really kind of a, a two-part process. Um, I was never really raised Christian. Um, you know, played around with all kinds of weird ideas and, and, and everything. And uh, about my junior year in high school, thought kind of crossed my mind, well, what if they're right? You know, and I think that's when I realized that I needed Christ. Now, unfortunately, I was way too stubborn to submit at that time. And so I went another seven or so years. Um, and uh, it, it, was, it was just like a switch, and I, I can't explain it. But, uh, you know, one minute I, I was had nothing but, but contempt for Christianity in general. And then the next week, I found myself just going to church with an open mind. I just kind of decided that uh, if this is the truth, I'd prefer to know that rather than continue believing things that weren't true anyway. And, uh, and he just 
real gradually worked on my heart and showed me what the truth is. Neil, <coughs> excuse me. As you began to read the Bible, how easy was it for you to accept it as truth? Initially, it was very difficult. Um, I had, at the time, before uh, my conversion, considered myself an atheist. And I considered myself probably way more intelligent than I really am, you know, if we want to be completely honest. And, and so it, it, was very, it was very difficult. This is not the place to lie. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was difficult. Uh, you know, I, I found certain things where, because I didn't understand the character of God, you know, didn't have the whole story yet, so things just seemed kind of odd. It's like, wow, how could he do that? How could he be like that? And then there were other things, you know, that uh, in my world didn't reconcile too well. You know, I've been brought up to, to believe in evolution, but here the Bible says that the yeah. world was created in seven days. And, uh, you know, I, I had a little bit of trouble with that, but I, I made a promise to the Lord that uh, I would give him the benefit of the doubt. And he honored that in that uh, every single time, and it was very frequent, that I found problems that, that I just had trouble accepting. He worked it out in me, and he brought me to pieces of scripture, to things even outside of the Bible where I, I learned to trust it, and I learned why it was the truth. He, it's like he just stood there, and any time I had something on my heart, you know, and, and questioned him, you know, whereas before I would have always thought that I'd be shut down, or, you know, you're not supposed to question God. He, it's, it's like uh, that was the, the grounds for our relationship, and, and he just enjoyed bringing me through that and showing me why it was the truth and how it was the truth. So. Very good. When, uh, when you came to that point, looking, looking back at it now, how did that change your perspective on how, let's say, how did that change your perspective on your marriage? It actually changed a lot with my marriage, and, and that was kind of the interesting thing. And, and just strictly for the fact that uh, we didn't understand our roles in marriage the way God meant it to be. And so... You know, we, we both had certain issues that, that we had to have control over and certain issues where we wanted to submit, and it just didn't quite mesh. But as, as we learned what our role was, as I learned what my role is and Brenda learned what her role was, we stopped arguing a lot. A lot. <laughs> I mean, it, it just it changed everything. We, we started to understand what our relationship was supposed to be like, and certainly when we included the Lord in our relationship as well. You know, it just, it, it changed a lot. And, uh, you know, I think just a lot of that is, is evident. For you today, what does it mean to trust God in all things? To, and it, for, again, for me, I've, I've always had trouble where I, w I want to know the inner workings of things. For me, and he's worked on this with me a lot, is, is to trust him no matter what, even when the explanation's not immediately forthcoming when you know you you can you can be laid off and then know somehow he's working this together he has a plan that can be difficult but that to me is the ultimate trust to know that uh, you know he's doing something and I don't have to know what it is but it's good aside from from going to church how has God showed you that you have been transformed? 
probably my, my personality in general is uh, a great deal different. And, and that was one of the first things I noticed that was, was kind of weird to me. Um, before I was saved, uh, you know, I mean, I was in the world, I was listening to music of the world and, and not very good music, really. You know, curse words and everything. I myself curse like there's no tomorrow, you know, just filth coming out of my mouth. And it was almost immediate that uh, that just stopped happening. And it, it wasn't a conscious decision on my part. But again, probably just more more his work in my life to show me, you know, that, that I'm, I'm being changed. And uh, just in general, being more patient with people, um, you know, just a whole different uh, worldview really, really changed a lot. How cool. How cool is that? If you, um, if you could, if you could get involved in, in something other, other than graphics, what would it be here? Um, probably teaching. I really enjoy, uh, Bible studies. I really enjoy just, uh, you know, whether it's grabbing a particular book of the Bible and, and going over it because I, I learned so much through that, you know, whether it's, it's teaching directly a book out of the Bible or, or a topic or something. Um, and I find that I, I tend to learn the most in preparing for something like that. And it's just, you know, I think in the end, I usually end up learning more than, than anybody I'm teaching. It's just, it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Nick LaPrell. I have one more for you. Mr. Brandon Sachs. Yes, how are you? Ready? First off, I want to say, Nick, we have plenty of opportunities in children's ministry to teach if you want to help teach. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Good for you. <laughs> so um, to introduce myself, my name is uh, Brandon Sachs. I, uh, my wife and I, actually my wife, uh, pretty much does all the planning for children's ministry, and I just get to take credit for part of it. So um, she, uh, she works really hard in, in, uh, in getting our, our teachers equipped, and then I, I help once we get here. She does a lot of the work throughout the week, and then and at church I, I'm able to to take the tools that she's provided for our teachers and for the classrooms and, and really apply it there and, and equip the teachers with it. So um, that's where we, we're serving here at Book of Life is in children's ministry. Would you mind sharing a little bit how you came to Christ? Yeah, um, like Nick, uh, it, was, it was kind of a, a two-part process. Um, I, and it was, I, I didn't really see it happening or I didn't really realize that it was happening when it was happening until afterwards. It was kind of that hindsight 2020. Um, it, it, I can see the change in me when I was uh, hanging out with a, a group of my friends and I was up and we're sitting in his apartment and we were all high and hanging out and all he had was a couch, an entertainment center and that was it. Um, and then his clothes were in his room, he didn't have a bed or anything, the guy was, and he had a, a girlfriend and had a child with her. And I was sitting there and um, we were well, we were high and and I started thinking about my life and and at the time this was, was I don't know a few months after I had broken up with my my girlfriend who's now my wife uh, she, and I broke up with her because she got pregnant and I was just, I freaked out I was only 17 or 18 years old and uh, she moved in to my parents house and I was sitting there looking at this guy's life and just kind of saw my future uh, saw that I, the, the road I was going down and, and, and that it was that it was, it was wrong. Um, 
And I, to- I totally believe that was the Lord revealing that to me uh, while I was experiencing it. And then, so then I, I, I call up my wife, and uh, whew, this is hard. I, I've, I've told this uh, story to, to people one-on-one, but publicly is it's a little, little difficult. But um, I called up my wife and said, hey, uh, I need to talk to you. We need to, need to straighten things out. Well, we got back together, and then she, she had been called um, or felt led to start attending a church, and that was Calvary Chapel, Tucson. And so we, we started attending that church. Well, she forced me to go to church. Um, I would fall asleep during service, and she'd get frustrated with me. Well, anyways, that's finally I, I reached the point that I, I was like, oh, she's making me come. I better just pay attention to what this, this guy up here has to say. And the second I turned my attention to the Lord, he, he just totally started saying, this is where you're at in your life. Um, this, is, this is what you've done. This is where you've been. And, and, um, and this is what I have for you. And so then that's, that's when I, I realized, wow, this is, this is what I, I need to, um, this is what I've been missing. This is why I've been filling my life with, with all this, uh, this other junk. Uh, it was because I was trying to fill that, that, that emptiness that I felt that, that only the Lord could fill. Um, and uh, it, was, it was shortly after that, it, it, uh, my, my, my first son was born, uh, Aiden, who's, who's now seven. And uh, it was shortly after that that I, my wife and I both came to the Lord. And Aiden's cool. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it, when we have the potlucks, I'm always, I'm a people watcher. And when I watch, I watch the kids that are running around, I watch Aiden, and he is always with the older kids. And he is talking to them. He, they're communicating. I don't, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's telling them. But I'm watching, I'm watching Aiden and talking to these teenagers. And it just blows my mind that he's in there and he's communicating with them and, and having a great time. And uh, amazing. Which, which one of your favorite portions of Scripture? Um, I'd have to say... Where is it at? Uh, James, James 2, uh, which is um, counted, all, uh, counted all joy that you fall into various trials. Um, for it, it produces patience. Man, you, this wasn't one of those it questions. It is a testing of your what faith. What are you doing? <laughs> You're going off script, my friend. That's what I did. Um, uh, it, uh, but it, it's um, testing. It, it, how does it go? Um, count all joys that you fall into various trials uh, for... It produces patience. How does it go? Perseverance. Perseverance, and then uh, through all of it, uh, through perfection, is faith. So we are to recognize that it is a testing of our faith in order to have these things produced. Cool. Did you know? I mean, as you were, when you made that decision to, to give your heart to Christ, to follow Him, did you know what you had done? Um, no, not initially. Uh, initially, it was just, I don't know, I, I, I realized I had broken my life and broken myself, and, and uh, he had revealed that I needed, needed him in order to, to fix it. And that's really all I, all I knew at the time that I, uh, that I gave my life to him, was just that, okay, now I have him to help me out. Um, it wasn't until farther along that I realized that it was, uh, it's, it's him that needs to lead and not just help me out with what I want to do, but I, I need to to listen to what he wants for me. How did that, how did that change your, your perspective on how, how you live now? 
Oh, well, um, shoot, it's, uh, if you saw my, my life back then, I was I nothing but self-serving. Um, I was uh, all about just pleasing myself and, and doing what I wanted to do and, and reaching my own goals. And the Lord has, has um, changed that in me and in, in that he's, he's given me this, this desire just to, to serve uh, the children um, and, and others in the church. It is true. Brandon and, and Liz are such a, uh, such a great addition to Book of Life here. We were in the process of, of, of getting our children's ministries together, and, and they came in, and they were the icing, the icing on the cake in, in, getting things, in getting things rolling, getting our kids' connection uh, up and running, and then willing to take over um, all three branches of, uh, of our children's ministry. And, and I thank God for, for Brandon, for Liz, for Nick, Brenda, for Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, Steve and, and Susie, and, and for their kiddos and for their life here at Book of Life. They, they are a treasure to me. What I see in them gives me hope for the generations that are below me. Uh, these folks love Christ. They know that God has called them to serve and to serve here at Book. Don't know how long we'll have them, but I am so grateful that we have them right now. And uh, it, is, it is absolute joy for me to have, have these folks and their families here serving us at, at Book of Life, as, as it is also a joy to see you here this evening, too. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I have, I have one more, just one more gentleman I want to bring up, and, uh, because we're going to pray. Every one of us here, is, here has someone that is, that is going through some, some physical ailment, um, hurting some way, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And, and I want, um, we have our, our resident chaplain, and, and he is also uh, the, the man that's in charge of visitation here, hospitals and, and things like that. Um, Mr. Brian Richards, would you please come up? And... As, as Brian, Brian begins to pray, I'm going to have you do something a little unorthodox, okay? And as, as he begins to pray for, for the sick, for the hurting, if you have someone that you know, just shout out their name. That's why I said it's a little, it's, it's a little unorthodox, but just do that. If you want to close your eyes, that's fine. You know, that, that's okay. As a matter of fact, let's bow our heads. And if you have someone that's hurting, we find great joy in praying for them. And, and yeah, just shout out their name. I mean, you don't have to blare it out. Just a name, a name is cool. And, uh, and we'll be blessed. Brian? Heavenly Father, we are truly privileged to be able to come towards you, come forward to you, Father, with anything that is on our heart and on our mind. And right now, Father, we like to bring to you the sick and the suffering, whether it's here at Book of Life, whether it's family issues, health, health issues, anything that is heavy on our hearts, Father, we consider it pure joy to be able to bring all our situations to you. But at the same time, Father, we have a lot of things to be grateful 
to you as well. We thank you for the benefit of being able to pray, Father, directly to you. We thank you, Father, that we have the opportunity to represent the sick who couldn't be here tonight, who are in the hospitals, to let them know, Father, that they are in our prayers and that you being the greatest physician there is, Father, you have their lives in their hands, in your hands. That Heavenly Father, that instead of going through our lives, if we are ill, that we do not have to be frustrated, we don't have to be depressed, discouraged. But instead, Father, when we come to you, that we can be encouraged instead. Any situations, Father, that come up, Lord, I believe it's important for people to know that we are here for them. This is what we're all about, prayer and concern for the interests and needs of others ahead of our own. Hospital visitations, Father, are very, very, not only very important, but it can also be very intimidating sometimes, too. That when we go, Father, we have to go with an open heart and open mind, Lord, to just let the people know that we are there, not to force anything upon them, but just to be there for, for comfort, for encouragement, Lord. To be a representative of you, Jesus, that when we come, Father, that people know that we are there to encourage, to make things somewhat better for them, Lord. One, maybe it's one day at a time, but nevertheless, Father, that we are there representing you, Lord. People that are in hospitals, Father, are lonely. They want help. They may seem that they can handle things themselves, but in their heart, Father, I know that they need people to come and see them, to check up on them, to make sure that their families are taken care of. There's just so much that goes into hospital visitation, Father. I'm just so truly blessed that you pointed this in my direction, Father, that you laid this upon my heart, Father. Because for a long time, I've never really quite understood what I was supposed to do. But it's just gratifying, Father, that instead of trying to satisfy my own desires, that I can actually go someplace and see people who are truly in need. And though I can't offer any um, material, uh, material things, wealth or any physical things like that, Father, that's still even just my presence being there is so important to them. I'm just so grateful that I've had the opportunity to do this, Lord. I thank you so much. And I pray, Father, that for any individual who is here who, um, again, are maybe going through uh, situations that are so difficult to bear, whether the loss of a loved one, again, health issues, children, maybe you're struggling to either find work or the future of not knowing if 
what the future in your job has for you right now, Lord. Anything that is heavy on your heart, the Lord needs, needs to know. We all need to know. We all need to pray and back each other's up, each other's back up, Father. This is what we should do as a church, Father. When anybody comes in, not only should they feel welcome, but when they leave here, Father, that there's a change in their heart, knowing that this is the place I would like to be. This is a place I can see where people are praying for each other, backing each other up. There's no other experience like it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.